FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 230 of the podcast that goes snicked. I'm your host, Jason Venable, and it's a bonus episode, Resurrection Week 4. And unfortunately, I am flying solo. Our beloved and adorable Dan from the Intracomics podcast. Um, actually, I, I wasn't able to invite him on. It's my fault. Um... <laughs> We had some family travels um, coming to you from the city of Memphis, Tennessee, um, where we're having some fun with some, you know, you say family obligations, it's not really an obligation, it's a fun time. So, yeah, you know, we should be there, but we also want to be there, and so we are. Um, Also, coming home to a big old mess, um, right before we left, had new windows put in the house, and, you know gotta have the house put back in order (laughs) so I just wasn't able to coordinate a time to record with Dan but it actually kind of worked out this week because Dan doesn't really care that much anymore about X-Men Gold and I don't really care that much about Jean Grey so between the two of us no one really cares (laughs) anyway those are the two books for a resurrection week four we're going to cover X-Men Gold number three and Jean Grey number one. But Dan was gracious enough, even though I kicked him off. <laughs> Just kidding. He will be back for, for week five. You can count on that. But anyway, he was gracious enough to send me some thoughts. And, um, you know, we'll probably chat briefly about these when he gets back on, kind of a recap. But... Didn't want to go ahead and just kind of get them out there in the ether so you can hear our thoughts and opinions. Um, so yeah, we will we will do it that way, and it will be a this will be a shorty, my shorties. Um, anyway, X X Men. I shouldn't do that. I apologize. X Men Gold Number Three: Back to the Basics Part Three, written by Mark Guggenheim, penciled by Artie and Sayoff. Inks by Craig Young and Jay. Shh, listen. Colors by Frank Martin. Letters by VC's Corey Pettit. What's that? Woohoo. Okay. Um, cover is by Seoff, Listen, and Martin. And it's some pretty cool cover. Again, we have like a brick wall with a poster of the X-Men Gold team fighting in the new Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Mutant. Evil Mutants. Gotta enunciate. And uh, Kitty Pride is phasing through the wall and through the poster and pointing at the reader. And this part gets kind of silly. She says, don't mess with the X-Men, which is, you know, maybe a little too tough. But also, anymore, can't help but think of don't mess with the Zohan. Don't think that's really the tone we're going for <laughs> with this book. I mean, nothing else about this feels like Adam Sandler. is actually pretty serious, maybe even too serious. But um, anyway... But it's very nicely rendered. It's a good cover. Everything looks pretty cool. Kitty looks really good. Um, and see off for the most part, 
despite apparently being racist against her in issue one, <laughs> actually draws Kitty fairly well. And so, what have you? I don't know. Don't know what to make of that. But anyway, um, so I don't know what happened here. I'm not sure if Guggenheim forgot how issue number two ended. Or maybe he's just saying, you know, they weren't really down. But remember at the end of issue two, Wolverine had taken out his captives. He was captured by the New Brotherhood. He'd taken them down and he had called Kitty to give her the address of where the mayor was being held for ransom. So either immediately after he said that and before he could actually give the address, his um, captors woke up and started fighting again, or Guggenheim just forgot that he did that. I'm not sure. And we open with some of the Brotherhood down, but some of them fighting Old Man Logan. And um, he gets burned by magma again. Fool him twice. Shame on him. But he is old, right? You forgot. <laughs> Forgets easily. Oh, excuse me. And um, anyway, um, we have inform our benefactor from Brainiac Mesmero. Mesmero? I don't know. But, and suddenly the X-Men gold team has no idea where they are. Like They tried to trace the call and they have a vicinity. And they're just going to search it. So I guess that address didn't quite get to their ears. So some of the kids come in and say, hey, we want to help. And Kitty's like, no. And Rockslide sells his case. So she's like, okay, fine. Rockslide in armor. You can come along because I don't have to worry about you. So they fly around in the Blackbird. They find this warehouse. They're not really warehouse. It's like an abandoned plant. Actually... I don't even know if I caught this. It's an ab- in the first read. It's an abandoned Worthing industry condemned site. And they know there's a telepath in there when they go in and they're going to try to free everybody. They, they find the mayor. Uh, they make, Guggenheim makes a comparison to ISIS where there's like the, the video room and the mayor has a hood over his head. Kind of timely. Yeah, I guess. Um, we get some more cool scenes with Old Man Logan. He's now been taken over by Mesmero and attacking his teammates. Uh, Rockslide's got to try to take him down. Um, Rachel gets taken over just briefly, but of course she's able to fight it. She finds Mesmero. Colossus takes out the, uh, the creature, the, the, the killer croc guy that I thought was Predator X, but... I'm not so sure because Kitty keeps saying the new weird guy. So I don't know if she just doesn't know. Or maybe I'm just making too many assumptions based on visual cues. Maybe it's not Predator X. Um, Anyway, uh, Storm, as Dan likes to say, just comes in to be a glorified special effect like the movies. She blasts Logan with some lightning, knocks him out, but also wakes him up. Colossus captures the lizard guy, the dinosaur guy. They determine, of course, it's a trap. There's some explosives. So Kurt teleports back to the Blackbird, crashes it through the wall. They all load up except for Kitty, who's going to find Magma and rescue her. And she does, but Magma tries to burn her. Uh, Rachel can't break through the size shields. But um, somehow she kind of does. Um... 
I don't know. I don't really know how, what happens, but she breaks, she snaps out of it, and the blackbird flies off. The plant blows up, but of course, Kitty hugs Amara and phases during the explosion, and they're not hurt. The blackbird comes back. Uh, Colossus apparently forgets that Kitty can phase, and is like, no! Anyway, they come back. They get pick up Kitty and Amara. Not much worse of the damage. And they turn over the Brotherhood to S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, they get to keep the reptile guy. And they're able to break through his shields, even though he doesn't talk, and read his mind. And they find out that the benefactor is this, uh, this Nance lady who's been spewing her anti-mutant hysteria on TV. So they go to her house and threaten her, but she's like, but you have no proof. And she's like, okay. And then Rachel uh, picks her up and hangs her in the air for a minute. And Kitty's like, okay, now we're threatening you. Not very Kitty-ish, but um, well, this part I guess kind of is. She's like, you think you're clever, but you're not. We're going to catch you. And she's like, who do you think you are? And Kitty turns around and says, I'm Batman. No, she says, we're the X-Men. And then that's it. That's it. So, Dan... Like I said, from the Intercomics podcast, Dan, whose Twitter is at Gizmo151183, so I don't have to remember to say it later, because <laughs> I'm not very good at that, but I'll try anyway, so I might. We'll see. Anyways, this is what Dan had to say. He said, X-Men Gold is predictable and just seems to get a little worse each issue. A few nice one-liners, but the threat to the X-Men was non-existent. And so before I give his grading... I'll kind of comment on that. I agree. Very predictable. You know, it's funny. Before he even sent me his thoughts, I guess just right after he read it, Dan tweeted me and said, you know, I called it. I called the twist. You know, and I don't, you know, it wasn't a Beatles-level twist or shout. Um, It was um, not even, you know, Little Richard um, or Chubby Checker or anybody. It was was a very, not even M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong. This was sub- Subtwist. We all knew, or Dan knew, and I, I bought into it right away. Then, um, you know, this, this news person was going to be a villain, right? I mean, she's a bigoted, prejudiced mouthpiece, so of course she's going to be bad. And it just makes sense that she hired the Brotherhood to kidnap the mayor to, to be an end to her means of turning the general public against mutants. And, um, yeah. So it was very predictable. The art had its moments. Uh, the dialogue was fine here and there. The story was was fine. It's not bad. Um, it is a little boring. Maybe. I don't want to beat a dead horse. I feel like we've talked about Guggenheim's strengths and weaknesses enough. I don't, don't need to belabor that. Um... Not my favorite book, but it wasn't terrible. Um, Dan gave it... Where'd you go? He gave it two out of six claws because the art had its moments. I'm going to say it's just very right down the middle for me. Um, I'm going to give the whole thing three out of six claws because the art had its moments. And there were a few good one-liners. And I like that they rescued Magma. Maybe she'll be part of the team. I don't know. We'll see. Um, 
And I liked it. I always liked when Rock Slide and Armor show up. I liked them. Um, would like to see some of the other kids get more involved. But, um, yeah, anyway. Yeah, so Dan gives it two out of six claws. I'll give it three out of six claws. And that is X-Men Gold number three. So on to the debut. Jean Grey number one. With writer Dennis Hopeless. Art by Victor Ibanez. Colors by J. David Ramos. Letters by V.C.'s Travis Lanham. And the cover is by David Yardum. Oh, wow. I won't go through all the variants because I didn't see them. But I just noticed that there was a Dave Cockrum variant. I'll have to Google that, see what it looks like. I haven't seen him do anything in a long, long time. Anyway, our David Yardum cover is nice. Um, it's a phoenix in the background and our Jean Grey in front of it and her new costume and her new hairdo, her kind of hipstery hairdo. You know, it's it's weird because, so hairdo reminds me of three different, her new do. Reminds me of kind of three different things. It reminds me of kind of like the 90s. Well, first, there's a Betty Page part to it, a little bit shorter, but still kind of that look with kind of the short bangs and the wavy hair. And you may remember in the 90s, kind of the uh, alternative tribute to the Betty Page haircut. Reminds me of that a little bit. Also has a little bit of hipster thing going on. Also reminds me of Kate Blanchett in the uh, the Indiana Jones movie we don't talk about. <laughs> so I guess there's a little Nazi to it. I don't know. I probably shouldn't say that. But um, anyway, I like David Yarden. It's a fine cover. I gotta say, I think this would be attributed to the graphic designers, which would be Jay Bowen and Anthony Gambino. But the title page has this long, uh, kind of horizontal box of art of Jean Grey and headphones. And she does not have her current new hairdo, but she's got like records like kind of flying around. And it could just be a design thing, it could be her TK. I think this looks great and wish the whole book was this artist. I don't know if, it's, if these graphic designers, Bowen and Gambino, just took this art from someone else and did it and they like did the design or if they actually did the art part of it. But I think it looks great. And Dan, you'll have to let me know if you agree. But I think this book would benefit vastly from this art style being in the whole book. Um... That said, Ibanez does better, I think, than I usually like him. Um, anyway, we sh- we'll talk about this because we have some future flashbacks of Jean Grey that include Wolverine. Uh, basically, young Jean is remembering the memories from old Jean that she mind-read off of her old teammate. So it's her past future, <laughs> I guess. And we, like, for example, we have the Dark Phoenix thing, which, of course, would include Wolverine. We have the Death of Phoenix, which, of course, would include Wolverine. Um, we have the time where she walked in on Scott getting busy with Emma in a Phoenix costume. Oh, that's disturbing. Um, anyway, she talks about how she doesn't want to live that life, how she's still the gene from the early days, just in, in now. And she took pickles and she went to Asia to try to get away and think. 
But the wrecking crew shows up for, you know, reasons. And she has to fight the wrecking crew. Hopeless does a good job with his characterization. Uh, lots of kind of fun little things. Um, Gene is really worried about collateral damage, but can't seem to avoid it anyway. So we kind of go through that. She scares some people, but eventually takes the wrecking crew down. Um, but she keeps hearing this voice, and she realizes this voice is the phoenix, and the phoenix says, I'm coming for you. You're still Jean Grey. You may not be the Jean Grey I remember. It may taste a little different, but I recognize you, and you cannot run from me. And while she's distracted by the phoenix that nobody else can see, one of the Wrecking Crew guys wakes up and hits her with a, a bag of yen. And um, they run off. And she wakes up aboard the Blackbird. The X-Men uh, blue team have come to rescue her. And it's like, how many fingers am I holding up? And she turns out she's okay, but she has another flashback. A really, probably the best page of the book. A giant phoenix head and a tiny gene following into the mouth, about to be swallowed by the phoenix in outer space. And gene tells Cyclops, the phoenix is coming. The next, definitely not okay. So I'm interested in the phoenix part, right? And I'm glad to see on the preview for cover two that Quentin will be involved because of the late phoenix stories, he's probably been my favorite part. And also really enjoyed him the last time we saw the Phoenix was in Thor, the Mighty Thor. And Quentin was involved in that storyline with the uh, the Shi'ar-Asgard war that is, is involving the Phoenix. And I think it still has one more chapter, I believe. Um, so that part is cool. I'm, you know, I'm always glad to see something with the Phoenix. And I think it's interesting, the, the aspect of Gene trying to avoid her quote-unquote destiny that she knows her other self already went through and knowing how much the phoenix messes her up and wanting to avoid that. And it's the same thing I love about um, young Cyclops trying to avoid all the pitfalls of older Cyclops and separate himself from that. And Gene has kind of done the same thing. And that part's really interesting to me. Kind of this idea of, of predestination and destiny and fate. And is she fated to m repeat all these same mistakes? You know, the failures and successes, right? Um, so the idea of her trying to avoid the Phoenix and yet here it is coming after her, like seeking her out. Like that part's really interesting. Um, so I think there's an interesting setup, right? I think Hopeless makes Jean probably the most likable she's been since Bendis brought the O5 back. Um, and not that his, his Jean was, was bad, but, you know, she just, she's been Jean, right? <laughs> and Hopeless, you know, is a good writer. Uh, I don't know. I've still, still haven't, don't like this book enough to say, yay, I'm glad we got this instead of Spider-Woman. But whatever, I... I those bitter grapes can, can go away. I'll leave them alone. But yeah, so, but there's more to me set up in this issue. Like, it, it has a good idea of, okay, yeah, the Phoenix, that's going to be interesting. Her fighting the Wrecking Crew and her kind of pontificating, eh, it was fine. It wasn't bad. Um, the art, 
I'm not a huge Ibanez fan. I thought this was some of his better stuff. Um, there, there are some parts of it I really, really enjoyed, and the rest of it was fine, right? Um, some of his Phoenix stuff was really good. Like he, he really kind of you can tell he like really focused on drawing the the Phoenix Firebird and and did a did a fantastic job with it. So you know, art was some of his better. So I overall. This is going to be weird, and don't tell my wife, but um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the book. Uh, Dan also enjoyed it. Um, he didn't give a grade, but I'm going to assign him one anyway. Um, but this is what he had to say. He said, I enjoyed Gene, fun, light, and full of promise. And I agree with all of that. So I'm going to give Gene Gray number one, and Georgie, Denise, get your defibrillators ready. I'm going to shock you. And those of you who have heard me kind of gripe about Gene in the past, yeah, we'll see. We'll see if this book can keep it up. But I'm going to give Gene Gray number one a solid, you know, kind of waffled between three and four, but I thought the premise was interesting enough. I'm going to give it four out of six claws. I'm just going to say that that's what Dan meant to say. So Dan, if I lie and if I don't know what I'm talking about, just send me a Twitter smack upside the head and, you know, we can correct it when you're on next week. But, um... Yes, and that is Jean Grey number one. Four out of six claws for the podcast that goes nicked. Um, and that is Resurrection Week 4. So, coming up next, we have a few things. Still got to get um, our flashback episode of Wolverine number 10, uh, the iconic issue from the solo series. Um, We'll have two issues, or not issues, two episodes kind of centered around next week's books. We'll kind of do our regular books, right? And we'll have another Resurrection special. We'll have Dan come back on, uh, talk about, you know, the next round of, of Resurrection books. And so that will be it. So again, Dan, thank you for your thoughts. Sorry I couldn't work out the schedules to get us together this week. But um, again, his Twitter is at gizmo. 151183 and again uh, go listen to him on the Intra Comics podcast um yeah lots of secret empire talk going on over there so definitely want to go check that out um yeah and uh, as usual for the podcast it goes snick snick snicked like the facebook page twitter is at snickcast uh, website with show notes is nickcast.podbean.com and that's going to do it so until next time hugs and snicks everybody and snack